Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. I think the point about if you haven't got one hub, then how are you going to be able to layer the data together? And therefore, how are you going to be able to provide a good customer experience and understand the sentiment and the behavior that your customers are having from that? And I'm now going to go on for four hours with this. The behavioral segmentation and stuff like that, that that you can do. I just don't see how you could get to the new land, basically. Everyone has a hunch and an idea about what drives a better experience. But now we have this opportunity to let the data tell us, which is really exciting. We're looking for insights about customers. Then do we have actual data from customers feeding these models? Uh, and if we don't, then we're, we're probably looking under the, the lampposts instead of looking where the actual answers are. This episode is sponsored by Verant. Verant helps the world's most iconic brands build enduring customer relationships by connecting work, data, and experiences across the enterprise. The Verant Customer Engagement Cloud Platform draws on the latest advancements in AI and analytics, an open cloud architecture, and the science of customer engagement to meet an ever-increasing, ever-shifting consumer interactions and demands. So Ryan, I don't know if you know, mate, but I did a webinar with uh, Verant on the engagement capacity gap, which is looking at the, you know, the difference between where organizations are and where they sort of need to be. Oh, very good. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. In fact, I'll put a link in the, the show notes for people. It's the second year of running that gap. We're not, we're not going to talk about that today, but I was chatting with uh, Celia Flyshaker, who's the CMO of Verant. And we were chatting about customer science. Your, your second favorite topic after <laughs> hassling me. <laughs> yeah, hassling you nearly becomes top. Yeah. I have to. Sure. We all have hobbies. We were having this really good conversation, and I invited Celia onto the show because voice of the customer in this new world is going to become even more important. So, Celia, welcome to the show. Thanks, Colin. I appreciate you having me. It was a really interesting conversation because the more I started to think about the way I've been positioning customer science is that it's this convergence, fusion between behavioral science, AI, and data. And those three things are coming together. And and again, we'll put a link into the show notes for people that want to listen to those episodes. I'm not going to spend hours on on this because I don't want to bore the regular listener. (laughs) But it's those sort of that fusion of those three things. And as I was thinking about it, and as we were we were chatting, and that's why I thought it would be good to get you on the show to talk about it, is what's the role of voice of the customer in that new world? That's what we're going to chat about today. So 
do you want to give us your thoughts on it? And then we can just take it on from there. Yeah, sure. I mean, it was an interesting conversation. And it's funny because we talk about the science of customer engagement, which is essentially just another way to say customer science. And it is so true, like the, with the technology that we have today and some of the ch- changes recently with you know, the shift to digital channels and certainly the pandemic accelerated that. You have this enormous amount of data and thankfully you've got AI that can help you make sense of it. And then it's just a great time for it. And when we think about how the voice of the customer plays into it, it's another set of data that people can use to feed AI and really come out with great insights about how they improve working with that customer. I think the interesting thing is, so again, let's take a step back. Mm-hmm. Behavioral science, yeah, so all the stuff we talk about on the podcast, AI that used to sort of process those those transactions and even predict what customers are going to be doing. But we're talking here at the beginning here about these sort of the various different data sources. And that, I think, is something that the organizations have not been considering there are clearly data sources that are you gather within the organization. I don't know, delivery times and mm-hmm. various different things that come from within the organization. And there are data sources that you can get from outside the organization. So, I don't know, getting a data stream from Google or somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, a third party. But you've also got this, this rich data of, of information you're collecting from voice of the customer as well, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. So I think a lot of people, they tend to look at customers in terms of their profile data, the transactions that they're doing. And then you start to layer in all of the interactions that could be service-related or sales-related interactions. And again, that's all from the kind of the brand or company side of the house, but then you start layering on top of that all the experience data and the voice of the customer data, whether it's I'm reaching out and surveying them, they're proactively giving me feedback, all of that information and being able to bring that together to drive insights about how we're engaging with customers and and, and like you said, how we could maybe predictively find ways to interact better with them and, and meet their needs better is is, is exciting and it, it but it is a lot of data that's typically residing in a lot of different silos around the organization you've said some really important words there so let, let's try and pick one of those up uh, each at a time so one was layering if you've got a sort of a data source it's i guess the key part here is it's not treating it as as an independent source is it and making actions just upon that one piece of data. You're right. It's tying those sources of data together is what drives the understanding. Yes. Yeah. And then the second thing I'll pick you up on is it's then the interpretation of that, isn't it? And that's the bit that I think that organizations are need some help with mm-hmm. is that because they're not looking at not looking at it from a behavioral science perspective, are they as much? Fusing the data together and then driving understanding from that data and then using a more of a scientific approach to drive the actions that you'll take as a result to that. So it's not just looking at the bulk of the data, but really what's the science telling you to make sense of it? 
Do you have a favorite like case study or example of uh, a firm that's done this well, kind of integrating this information and, and using it with AI or other tools to, to really drive some good insights? A couple of different ones. One more on the contact center side, we've got an insurer over in Europe that is using AI not just kind of in the past, right, to see the data and the feedback and what it's telling them to to figure out that next best action, but they're using it in real time. So looking at how that call is going and that interaction as it's happening, being able to use AI to understand sentiment, acoustic analysis, and then kind of coaching that agent about where to take that interaction and how to best help that customer. And it's, it's really improved that like first call resolution and the experience that that customer is having. And it, it's been really impactful for them. The sentiment analysis, I think is really, for me, it's that's like the early stages of customer science and, and whether it gets called customer science or customer intelligence mm-hmm. yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. else is like an irrelevance, but if you're thinking about what's happening within that sentiment analysis, you're clearly looking at the sentiment, not just the words that customers are saying and using. And therefore, by definition, you're looking at it from that behavioral science perspective, which I think is, for me, it's like that's the early stages of the mountain that we're going to be climbing over the next few years as this new variant of customer experience starts to take hold. Are there any thoughts of the sort of those different ways of collecting voice of the customer data? Just, you know, it's it's not obviously just about text and audio. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, there's a a number of ways that we're seeing people collect and use data. And and some of it is the audio and the speech analytics and and then looking at the text analytics side of things and how, how they're interacting through digital channels. And that's such a nice improvement to how it was happening with having to wait for the survey results or the feedback results from the customer. And we're seeing those things combined really to look at the overall kind of enterprise experience and and what's happening for those companies with their customers. As you were talking then, it was making me think about the challenge though is that it's still getting organizations to do something with it, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) I've always given this sort of example of an organization I used to work for. At one point, we had a conversation about, uh, this was when I was back in corporate life, had this conversation about, because I would admonishing my colleagues about their lack of action to improve the customer experience based upon customer research that we'd just been doing, they thought that we should just stop doing the, the research So don't do voice of the customer because we're not doing, we're not doing anything with the data. So let's just cancel it, which is clearly just crazy. But I guess the issue for me just becomes, how do you get into that? And how do you start to encourage them to, to get that involved as well? I think it, I mean, in what you just said, like there's so much data that's coming in right now because of the number of channels and especially with digital and just collecting it and pulling it together is a pretty big feat for an organization. I think today, yeah, a lot of technologies 
marketing's guilty of this, right? You know, it's so easy. Well, let's add a chat bot or let's add this piece of collecting this data, but tying together across the organization, all those channels and touch points is really hard and getting that data into a similar format where it can be analyzed together because it's different types of data. And so we, we work with a lot of customers on that, right? Just thinking about how they're pulling data in. And then once they have that data, how do you bring it into a common data hub yep. where you can then use it to certainly for reporting and analysis, but also to feed the AI models is really, I mean, that that right there, that that's a huge first step if people can start getting it into one place because sure. most organizations have it across the, <laughs> across the organization and it isn't in a, in a single place. So your chief marketing officer, how do you think that affects the role then of not the role, but how does that affect mm-hmm. the marketing organization? Because now you've got all of this data and, you know, we, we've now sort of started to talk about this new sort of customer science world. Any thoughts of what people then should be doing with that from a, from a marketing perspective as well? I think for a marketer, it really expands what you can do. It's an opportunity within the organization to reach a lot further than you have. Like if you had told me 10 years ago that one of my most important partners would be someone on the support side or the contact center side, you know, I would have looked at you funny, but today really understanding that that contact center is one of, there's a lot of strategic opportunity there that they're not just solving a service problem. I've got an opportunity to market and sell there. I've got an opportunity to change the way they experience variant there you know i think that is one of the things and how we look at it a little bit differently is is that yes i can market and have the traditional lead done and pipeline building but there's an even better opportunity to to work with and build a better relationship with that customer when they're calling us with a problem or have a something they need solved yeah and isn't part of that as well about the just the understanding of customers Mm -hmm. with all of this type of data that you've now collecting Mm -hmm. the understanding that you have of customers has got to be a a hell of a lot more than it was 10 years ago it's so much better it is and um understanding them being able to empathize a little bit more with where they are in that relationship with with us or with a company that's another that the journey that they're on with a company or a brand and having the data to really build that out. So it's not just about the marketing and sales view of that customer and where they're interacting, but the service and the those touch points as well. And really layering that together to understand how they're connected is very interesting and drives a lot of value. And Ryan, what do you teach your your, I don't know if you call them pupil students, I guess we <laughs> should call them, shouldn't we? From a data perspective and, and collecting all that type of information and, and then using it from a marketing perspective. The opportunity of integrating is really profound. It's not as easy as people assume it will be. And so I was actually going to probe you, Celia, on kind of advice or principles that you would give people in integrating data, because there's 
there's a risk for any kind of data where the easiest to interpret data tends to get privileged and the most rapidly updated data tends to get privileged and the easiest to collect data tends to get privileged. But there's no reason in particular to think that any of those data sources are actually more valuable for decision-making than other types of data. So more data is amazing and it's this amazing opportunity, but just where do you recommend firms start in that integration process? Like how do you not get overwhelmed or how do you not kind of misweight data? I think that's fine. We were talking about this the other day because we collect a lot of data that goes into our loyalty index with our customers. And, and people are always like, well, you should measure this, 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 and this. And and then it comes back to, and we look at the data and the correlation between the inputs like that, we could measure that. You're absolutely right. We could collect that data point, but it has absolutely no bearing on their loyalty to us or on the ease of doing business like we and and so i think as a company determining what data has impact and influence over the experience or predicting the experience and prioritizing that and that's not like you said it's not easy to do maybe you're taking it channel by channel or area by area and looking at it and seeing what correlates to the impact you want to have is that's important and um you may find out that there's there are some channels and some things that you have that data point and it, you collect it, but it isn't what drives things. And so, yeah, I, I think you're right. It is hard. What has an impact on the experience may be different for different organizations. So there's not a proven formula. So you, it sounds like you're you're advising kind of listening to the data itself and modeling it and kind of finding out what correlates with those outcomes that you care most about, as opposed to starting with a set of assumptions about what uh, is important or drives data and just kind of blindly leading that way. Something you'd said on another podcast really stuck with me, which was about this idea that the role of the expert can be diminished because the data and the outcomes start driving yeah. things. And that's where you can lean on. And I, I really like that idea. And that's, that, that's what I'm saying here is that you, everyone has a hunch and an idea about what drives a better experience. But now we have this opportunity to let the data tell us, which is really exciting. Great. I'd like to encourage all of our listeners to visit verant.com backslash boundless to download the new engagement capacity gap study and to find more resources and information. I would also like to encourage you to go to verant.com to register for Engage 22 Better Together, the company's annual engagement conference in Orlando from June 13th to June 16th. It's a premier in-person event bringing together CX leaders, brands, industry partners, industry analysts, partners, and Verit experts to share insights and best practices in customer engagement. So a subject area that Ryan and I rattle on about a lot, and again, I think it's going to become increasingly more important in this the age of this customer science, is, is the whole area of segmentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ryan and I often talk about the fact that 
most organizations segmentation is pretty poor to say the least any thoughts about how this new data and how this new approach will start affecting the whole area of segmentation and we are still growing in this area but i do think it's a really interesting debate about how you do segmentation and and you've got this opportunity because of the amount of data you have to look at behaviors and other factors in terms of how you drive a segmentation i think it it'll just lend itself to maybe non-traditional ways of segmentation and how you look at accounts and commonalities that they have to drive really much more effective targeting and and getting to them at the right point and even understanding if i have this profile of an account with these interactions typically here's where they go next and being able to to meet them there proactively and help them like i think that gets really exciting and interesting yeah and you've said there a, a key word for me which is proactive because if i was to lay a bet as to what i think is going to be the most important thing over the next 10 years it would be for organizations to move from being reactive to proactive mm-hmm. yeah any thoughts on how all the stuff that we're talking about here and from from variance perspective that organizations can become more proactive yeah i think i think we're kind of looking at it at, we've been really good at the reactive understanding what experience they had or where they are and and taking care of their need and now we're 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 doing a lot in the area of real time and like i talked about that customer for like coaching in the interaction improving while it's happening and in real time um doing the right analysis and data gathering to be able to improve that interaction in the moment and then i think the next phase is exactly what you said. i think it goes to proactive so that as companies are able to pull together all that data and i do think that bringing that data together into a common hub and being able to use it in the right way is is important for that because what they do next is is you're going to predict that based on a lot of different channels it could be what they're doing on your website who they're calling who they're talking to i do think that is being able to get to them just kind of anticipating their needs and reach that that's great like that'll be good i would love for some of the brands i interact with to call me with before i know i need them i can't see how you can do it without having a common hub if you've got data coming in from a customer going onto a chatbot and then maybe coming on the call center and then maybe have gone into the store as traditionally those things are treated as individual silos right and the data is siloed then i i just can't understand how you could even contemplate having having a proactive experience if you've not got a common hub to be able to put everything together and go look this customer went in the store seven times then they phoned us two days later they're likely to be really upset with us now and therefore to provide a proactive experience we've got to do we've got to do this i mean it's just seems crazy to me and it's a little easier right on the digital channels and we're using ai to do struggle detection so you can see where they're having an issue on those digital channels and then reach out and help them so we're starting to do more of that but i do think having it come together 
like you said, even with the physical locations and, and, and bring it all into one place is going to be exciting. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, clearly it's not going to happen overnight. And for me, I was saying to Ryan a bit earlier that it, the way I've been describing customer science as being this new variant, and if you you look at just how the new variants of COVID have, have taken over, it's been a gradual process. It's not sort of one day it's this and the next day it's that. So, you know, I, I don't think that this is going to happen next year. But I do think that what's going to happen is in 10 years' time, we'll suddenly be going, hey, you know, we're now all doing this as opposed to what we were doing 10 years ago. So I think it's really important area to, for people to, to focus on. All really good stuff. But I, I guess let me sort of pull it into what we normally talk about. The end bit is... This all sounds great, but so what? So what? what's the takeaway? If some listeners listening to this show and think, yeah, all interesting stuff, but what do I do today? Any any thoughts on what they should be doing? I think it is important about the what you do today, because like you said, even if it's five or 10 years away, even if it's that far, I don't know if it's that far, but there's a lot of work to happen to get you to that point. And so I think it's an organization I think first, just understanding what data do you have, like, and where is it in the organization is a great starting point, whether anything that you store about that customer, what systems are you keeping it in? How is it being collected? What's happening to that data so that you just have a kind of a survey of everything you have. And then it's, then you can more easily build well, one, understand what gaps you have, and then to build a map of how do I bring that data together? Because I, I think that that's really the foundational element that's going to drive your ability to use AI and have AI get stronger and to drive insights and that analysis on top of it. So I would, I would definitely say you're starting with the data, understanding what data you have, and building that roadmap for how you get to a single data hub that can help you drive it. Yeah, yeah, good thoughts. Ryan, your your takeaway? Uh, lots of interesting stuff that was raised today. There's a great old, no, that, that's a lie, it's not great. There's a terrible <laughs> old joke about researchers, and it's, I usually hear it applied to economists, where the story is that there's a, a guy who's, who's looking on the ground um, for his keys, and a friend comes up and says, oh, you lost your keys. Is this where you dropped them? And he says, no, but this is where the street light is. So the light's better here. So I'm going to look here. <laughs> um, even though I lost them over there. That was uh, quite and, a good one for you, mate. Oh, uh, well, thanks. Well, I didn't write it. <laughs> but it, it, it's this idea that a lot of times when, when we want an answer, we look to the data that we have or we look to the tools that we have because that's easy. That's what we've done before. The idea that applying new tools like AI without giving consideration to the data that we're using to train the models or, you know, to use these new tools on, because we've got all this data from our website. Why don't we use that? Or we've got all this data from purchase or from, you know, our, our customer tracking software, you know, whatever it is, there needs to be some consideration. Is that the right data? And I, I would anticipate, I don't know for sure. And, and so you can correct me. I would anticipate that, voice of the customer data is not as 
often fed into these models and these tools as maybe it should be. If we're looking for insights about customers, then do we have actual data from customers feeding these models? Uh, and if we don't, then we're, we're probably looking under the, the lamppost instead of looking where the actual answers <laughs> are. So some consideration as, as to not just the tools themselves, the tools are amazing and they're developing and they're so cool, but to the data and how we're going to integrate the data and how we're going to weight the data. And then the second part is the, the point that Taylor made earlier, which is referencing that great quote from um, Richard Feynman, who was a, a Nobel Prize winning physicist about, you know, experts lose to data. <laughs> if we've got, you know, if we've got opportunities to join expertise with empirical results and then test and refine and iterate to improve that, then then that's going to be a wonderful place to be. And for me, I think the, first of all, this has been really interesting. I think the point about if you haven't got one hub, then how are you going to be able to layer the data together? And therefore, how are you going to be able to provide a good customer experience and understand the sentiment and the behavior that your customers are having from that? And I'm now going to go on for four hours with this. Hmm. The behavioral segmentation and stuff like that, that that you can do. I just don't see how you could get to the new land, basically. I think for me, that's a really important aspect for people to start to think about and start to think about how, they, how they're going to make that change. Celia, it's been it's been really good having you on the on the show. If people want to get hold of you, then how do they best do that? Sure, the best way is uh, through LinkedIn. I'm on there all the time. Great. Okay, and we'll also put a uh, a link to Celia's profile in in the uh, show notes. If you get a chance to listen to the uh, webinar that we did on the engagement capacity gap with Varen as well. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes again to that. That was a really interesting conversation that we had on there. Second year's worth of uh, data as well. So uh, thanks very much, Celia, for coming on the show. And uh, we look forward to talking to everybody next week. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.